A church without discipleship is just a gathering. Hello and welcome to the Disciple Making in Community podcast with Ken Brady, where we believe that discipleship happens best within the context of a smaller group. This podcast is an ongoing conversation with church leaders that focuses on important issues in disciple making through ongoing Bible study groups. I'm your host, Ken Brady, and I am LifeWay's Director of Sunday School. I'm also a group leader at my church. I'm an author, a blogger, and you can follow me at KenBrady.com, where I release posts regularly on group ministry. I've been a discipleship pastor at three churches, and I've been a 30-year champion of disciple-making through ongoing groups in the local church. I want to thank you for listening to the Disciple Making in Community podcast. This podcast is released in seasons with seven episodes per season. We focus on one topic for seven episodes, but we approach that topic from different angles and with different guests on each episode who share their wisdom and insights. Now, season one is available right now on Spotify and Apple and Google Podcast, and really about anywhere you can sign up for podcasts. Season one focused on the importance of enlisting and onboarding new group leaders, and there's a lot of how-tos in that season's episode. So if you haven't listened to those, I encourage you to go ahead and download season number one. Today's episode is the fourth in season number two, where we're focusing this time on the topic of starting new groups. That's the overall theme of season two. And one aspect of starting new groups uh, is going to be discussed on all of these uh, seven episodes. But today's topic is why groups and group leaders resist starting new groups. So one of the goals of this podcast is to introduce you to other leaders from around the country who are experts in group ministry, and I've invited several to be with me on each episode, and we'll hear what they've got to say about the importance of starting those new groups. Now, my first guest today is PJ Dunn. He is a discipleship consultant on staff with the Georgia Baptist Mission Board, and he serves the northern regions of the state of Georgia. In addition to his duties on the convention staff, Dr. Dunn is passionate about reaching and equipping single adults through discipleship. Uh, as an advocate for singles in particular, he travels nationally speaking and coaching and creating content for singles and the local church. He created Table for One Ministries in 2013 to build community for single adults through discipleship. And you can find out more about his ministry to singles at tfoministries.org. That's Table for One Ministries, tfoministries.org. PJ, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I mean, when you invited me, you said that I had a, a face for podcasting, and I thought it was a compliment, oh. but, uh, but here we are. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. yeah, people have told me I've got a voice for radio, and I tell them quickly, I've got a face for radio, too. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. Hey, yeah, our second guest is Ray Sullivan. He is a uh, a cohort with uh, PJ there on the Georgia Baptist Mission Board uh, staff, and he serves the opposite side of the state from PJ, uh, being a consultant to the southeast and southwest regions. And Ray has served several churches as the lead senior pastor, and he knows both the preaching side of church plus the groups side of church. He's a grad uh, graduate of. Southern Seminary. He's got a, a 
picture of what looks like a Springer Spaniel on your Facebook page. So I'm, I'm dying to hear more about that. I may have the dog wrong, but it, there's definitely a dog there. So you've got to be a dog kind of guy. Uh, and so, uh, Ray, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you, Ken. I'm definitely a dog guy. It's, it's not a Springer Spaniel. It's a Cocker Spaniel. A uh, Cocker Spaniel. And, uh, okay. Just recently, my, my Cocker Spaniel, my best friend, Charlie, um, who is, uh, you know, they, they, there's a reason they say dogs are man's best friends and, uh, mm. uh Charlie passed away, uh, oh. uh, just recently. And that's why that was on my Facebook page. PJ knows Charlie and, uh, he's a good dog, but, yeah. uh, great dog and going to miss him. But, um, uh, I don't know, maybe dogs go to heaven. Who knows? We'll see. Yeah, we'll Let's see start we that conversation. Another episode, Ray. That's a that's a whole nother whole nother podcast right there. Oh, now, no, so we know a little bit about Ray. He's a dog guy. PJ, what do we need to know about you? What's what's an interesting oh. fact? A factoid about PJ Dunn that we need to know. Oh my goodness! Uh, which I know. Which, I threw I you a curveball there. Sorry. I, I would say. Um, so we are the problem with the camping industry. So post COVID, uh, we were the millennials that went out and bought a camper and love every second. Oh. Of it. So, oh. uh, so we, we camp probably 10, 15 times a year. Now, uh, the camper wow. name is Gus. You can follow us Gus. on Facebook, Gus and us okay. we're millennials. Gus? We don't do anything. Are you serious? Parenting, uh, Ken. So, uh, so amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, here, here's, I, I need to talk to you more then because my wife, uh, with, you know, we've got retirement. We can see it. It's about a decade away, but she's already talking to me about buying the camper, yeah. doing the on the road thing. So I'll need to pick your brain <laughs> and, and figure that out. Cause quite honestly, my dad had one, he had like a 30 footer. Yeah. I got to drive that thing. That's a beast, hard to turn, hard to park. I was always afraid we're going to blow the thing up with the propane <laughs> tanks and all. So I'm not sure I want the on the road lifestyle, but there are elements that are very attractive. So yeah, we'll Ray, Ray's going that. through the same thing right now, we'll actually, right him, now. him and his bride. Yep. Oh boy. Well, there you go. Well, guys, let's jump in and talk about why groups and group leaders often resist starting those new groups. We've We've had several podcasts in front of this one that have talked about the importance of starting those new groups for the church. They're, they're critical, but sometimes we kind of run into the buzzsaw of a group leader or a group of people that just don't want to, you know, release an apprentice or, you know, send some people out of their groups and it makes it a little more difficult. So there is some resistance that happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know that in every church I've served as good as I've tried to lead the groups and knew that this was a factor I've had people in every one of my churches tell me, don't come into my class, don't split my group, you know, and I've, and I've had, I've had earfuls of it. And so, uh, here's my first question for you guys is what have group leaders expressed to you about the goal of having their group start another one, you know, be a mother or a parent class to a, to another one, start a daughter class type thing. Uh, What are you hearing? Are you hearing things like I've heard, or are they just picking on me? Yeah. Oh, wow. I don't know of a pastor or a, or a discipleship pastor that hasn't heard that comment, Ken. Um, I've heard it more times than not. Um, you know, all you want to do is split our group and, uh, it's difficult. It really is because you understand the role of relationships and you understand the role of connection. And, um, but you know that discipleship is about multiplication. And uh, so mm. we, we've all heard that every time uh, I do any kind of trainings, that's one of the topics that comes up. What do you think about new groups and how do you start new groups? Pastors are asking that question all the time. It's, it's a, it is an issue. 
It is. It's uh, an evergreen issue. Mm-hmm. In fact, until Jesus comes back, mm-hmm. I think this is going to be something that we're going to have to talk about, you know, in group ministry. It's just going to be part of the uh, part of the game, so to speak. PJ, what are you thinking? Yeah. What, you know, what have you heard? Well, I think people. Um, I'll say it this way. I have I have a quote behind me, um, but it just says that people don't fear change; they fear loss. And, and yes. I think that's a big thing behind the expectation of, of starting a new group. So when you say we all made friends, I, I'm really saying I don't want to lose my friends. And so right. we on the admin team, the admin side of the equation are like, but you wouldn't even be here today if we didn't start a new group. Like how selfish of you, right? And, and, but, but they're doing yeah. exactly what we asked. They're best friends. They all love each other. They want yes. to be together. That's right. And so yeah. what happens is those small groups turn into small churches and they don't uh, end up multiplying different groups, which yeah. I know we'll get into in a second. So I guess in principle, most leaders will agree with you that we should start new groups. But what they really say is somebody else's group. Yeah. <laughs> they don't really yes. internalize that's it right. to their group. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I've never heard that phrase before, uh, PJ, that um, you said something like groups, small groups turn into small churches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's really true. And and it's it's right. On a previous episode uh, of this podcast, this season, we talked about the Lego factor mm. and how people get connected. And then when new people show up, it's really hard for those new people to find a connecting point like on a Lego because people are all connected up. There's just no place for them to, uh, you know, come in and have friends and build those relationships. And so uh, starting a group, such an important part of this uh, process. Yeah, Ken, on that standpoint too, you know, when PJ says that, that they become small churches. And one of the things we see a lot of times, especially in smaller churches and country churches, that those, those Sunday school classes are in a lot of ways, like a small church. They have a leader, they have a pastor, they have an outreach ministry, they have a budget. They might Some have a do. piano, you're right? right. Yeah, like, yeah. They have a piano. So, so yeah. really, you're not just talking about starting a new group. You're talking about starting a new church for them. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that's true. So it's yeah, and because of the the family feel that often happens in some of our you know Sunday school groups, small groups, whatever you want to call them, um, when they do get so tight and so connected and so um, you know friendly. Uh, they love each other. It's almost like a divorce happens, you know, yeah. when some leave and start right. that another group, it's a good thing, but man, it's a painful thing. Right. And so mm-hmm. it's not unusual, you know, to hear things like, you know, don't split our group and mm-hmm. uh, they're, you're, you're right, PJ, they're responding to that, that sense of loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're losing something, yeah. you know? And so you're exactly right. Well, we, we, so we've heard people, we've heard group leaders and group members, you know, say, you know, don't split our class. In fact, at my very last church, I was serving uh, part-time uh, while I'm doing my full, full-time job at Lifeway. Uh, it wasn't uh, two or three weeks into my ministry there that I stepped into a group, had Sunday school with them. My wife and I were there. And uh, after the class got up and left and uh, the teacher was there, I wanted to hang around and just compliment him on, you know, what a nice, uh, you know, good Sunday school lesson he brought. And, uh, and he looked at me and he said, I know why you're in here. Don't think you're going to come in here and split my group. And I'm like, whoa, that's not why I'm in here, you know, but there is that defensiveness, you know, that, uh, that often goes with it. So when we hear things like don't split my group and, you know, don't take my best people, uh, what, what do we say to that person, that group leader, or maybe it's a, a strong opinionated person in that group? 
Uh, is there anything that we can say that might make a difference and change those hearts about, you know, starting the new group and reaching some new people? Have you, have you said something that maybe took hold and someone had said, Oh, okay. I hadn't thought about it like that before. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I mean, so one of the unique things about what Ray and I do is that we get to move the needle on discipleship in Georgia. And so we, we get to, travel 800,000 miles a week on average, and we're out uh, meeting different churches and different leaders. So when we both reply and say, we've heard this comment, we mean multiple churches. And so one came to mind when you were talking, um, and I can name drop them. So Moons Grove uh, Baptist (laughs) Church, uh, just outside of Athens. Uh, I did a a sermon on disciple-making culture, and then we afterwards had uh, lunch with leaders invited to just talk like, and this, this was the first question, a lady in the back of the room, I don't want to split my group. So are you telling me that you have to? So it's almost this negative term. Um, mm-hmm. and I almost feel like a product of what we've done over the years, Ken, is tell people you need to divide. You need to divide. We need to multiply. No, we're not going to, do, we're not dividing. We're multiplying. Okay. So we need to multiply because we can't do addition and we throw out all these math terms. And so, mm. I think we've made it, um, if you've been in church for any length of time and you've gone to some trainings, you don't want to talk about it because it either failed once mm-hmm. before, oh, we had a great group until we did that campaign you did seven, eight years ago and the last guy tore up our Sunday school. You were all excited. You started new yeah. groups, but it tore up our Sunday school class and, it, and those people left the church. So I do think that they come with valid reasons. And so um, I guess my response to those moments is that I don't want to split your group either. Like I always reply that way. I don't want to split your group either. Like you have something great going on. I just want more people to experience what you are. So how do we do that? Mm -hmm. And so I bring it back as a question. What do you, what do you find Ray in those trainings when we get grilled (laughs) at the front of the room? (laughs) And you're right. I mean, it's always one of the first questions. And uh, you know, the, the more that I focused in on this and the more trainings I've done and answering those questions, I realize you know, it's, it's easy to get defensive and say, these people are just, you know, they're selfish. They don't want to grow. They, you know, that, this is a product of what we've created in a lot of ways. And PJ's right. They're doing what we've asked them to do. They've made relationships. But for me, I, I think the way that I have done that is the same as PJ said. I don't, I don't want to split your group either, but the calling is to make disciples. And so I've, I've kind of taken it back to really, let's focus on what is a disciple and then how do we make disciples? How did Jesus make disciples? And then when we look at that, we see multiplication in that. We have made two things in Sunday school be the main thing, relationships and knowledge. And so they're like, well, I've got relationships and I'm getting a good lesson. There's there's no other reason. You know, there's nothing else out there for me. So for me, a lot of it is just going back and talking about disciple making and talking about discipleship yeah. and that, that, that we're all called to make disciples and you can be doing that. And so when you frame it in that, it's not a program. It's not, we're trying to change our program and grow our church. We're trying to be obedient to the Great Commission. That's what we want. Oh, there and you so yeah. I, I think it opens up a little bit of doors at that point. You're still going to have some challenges, but at least it, it reframes yeah. the context into not a program, but the Great Commission. Yeah. And, and I think verbiage is important, yes. right? Uh, Trevin Wax used to be with us at Lifeway, now over at North American Mission Board. Uh, has has made this statement. He said, words create worlds. Mm-hmm. And PJ, you mentioned earlier, we often use those mathematic terms. You know, we want you to divide, uh, split. Yeah. You know, we really don't 
use, I don't, I don't think I ever use the word ad, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I think I was guilty of, Hey, I want to split that group or split your group. And that always goes over well. Right. And so I started using different terms. Mm-hmm. Um, our friend, Alan Taylor, you guys know, Alan, he's very well known in your part of the country. A very big Sunday school advocate. He likes the word franchise, franchise groups, you know? And so I like that one. I like the word plant. You know, we plant new churches and planting a new group sounds very uh, life-giving and organic and natural almost. And so, yeah, I have definitely moved away from, you know, the divide and split terms, but even still, you know, Ray, you're right. uh, There's still going to be some level because they go, Oh, you're talking about planting. I know that that means divide. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It, yeah. Come, it comes back. And, I'll, to and that. I'll say this. So for that church, Ken, um, they, well, they want to do life groups. And so, um, what we framed it as, uh, and life group for them is, um, home, home group, uh, kind of model because life group okay. means anything. Right. So they, yeah. uh, so for them, that really means home group model. And so they're, they're saying, we want to start these life groups, do life together. Got it. Great. Uh, so what, what I frame it as instead of divide or multiply is new opportunity. How are we creating a new opportunity for somebody to come in? And right now mm. we don't have an on-ramp for that. So, you know, maybe, maybe God's calling you to start another group because the reality is new people will come if you start a new group. I mean, we know that that's what yeah. happens, the energy, the excitement. Um, yep. But if you're running more than 20 people, the answer isn't, hey, let's take five of us and go do this. The answer is create a different opportunity. So for them, it's Tuesday nights or it's, or it's this, or maybe on a Sunday morning church, then you're saying, Hey, they're doing this curriculum. We're doing this curriculum. Or if you're not changing curriculum, you're changing the scope and saying you have an affinity. Do you have middle school kids, high school kids? Do you have, are you single? Are you married? So you, you find different ways to create opportunities, to create new groups, to create new units and do the spiral that we know we're yes. supposed to do. Um, uh, and when you say it that way, they're like, oh, that doesn't affect me then. That's what they walk away hearing. But we all know it's going to affect them. <laughs> but yeah, but it just feels different. Yeah. And I love the word you just used. A lot of the folks in the audience, they just, they heard it, but it's not going to register. But you mentioned the word spiral. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about Andy Anderson's yeah, growth mm-hmm. spiral. Right. And uh, that's one of those, if you don't know Andy Anderson and the growth spiral, it's an oldie, but a goodie. Yeah. You need to go uh, Google it. You probably go to Amazon and find uh, some older copies of his book. But I use that back in the day, right? As a plan for uh, growing our, our group ministry. Well, Reggie McNeil, who is, uh, you know, part of y'all's neck of the woods, uh, once said this in a conference. He was leading it and I was there in the audience and I thought, wow, wish I thought about that. That is brilliant. Here's what he said. He said, it's not the change that gets you. It's always the transition to the change that gets you. Mm-hmm. And I thought about that and I thought, boy, that is, that is hitting a nail on the head. Yeah. Uh, he's exactly right. So question number three now becomes guys, if the transition to a change is what often gets us in trouble, how do we manage the transition of starting a new group from an existing one without causing great harm to us and to the people in the group? You know, how do we manage that transition well, where we are using different verbiage, you know, we're trying to get them on board, starting those new groups, but there's this transition from what they know to what is going to be the future state of their group. They may have half leave or a segment of the group possibly leave to go start the next group. And, uh, it changes things and, uh, things are different. And PJ, you mentioned loss and all of that. So we've got to manage this transition time between, you know, what they knew and what's coming that is going to be new. So what are some thoughts on that? Any, is there any way for us to, to help our people 
manage, you know, this uncomfortable thing that we want to do as a church and that start those new groups, but we got to have their support and help to do it. So how do we manage that transition? Is there a way? I wanted to reach through the screen a minute ago when PJ uh, gave that quote, um, you know, people don't fear change, they fear loss. And I wanted to strangle him because that's what, <laughs> that's what I was thinking of when we were preparing for the mm. podcast. <laughs> Stole your thunder. Sorry about that. You're, you're, no, it's, you're dead on. I mean, that's the whole thing. The whole thing is we're, we're dealing with people. We're dealing with human beings. We're dealing with emotions. We're dealing with connection. We're dealing with tradition. This is, this is their life. This is their baby. You know, this is their child. And so, it's, it's, it's a loss of something. And so I was dealing with a pastor just recently. We were talking about that. We were talking about some of the issues that he was facing. And he called me a couple of days later and he said, you know, he said, after that conversation, he said, I, I, I finally realized that I, I just was not seeing what this lady was missing. And I never addressed mm-hmm. that. I, I wanted to see where she wanted to be, where she needed to be. And I was trying to get her to see that, but I couldn't see what she was missing, what she was losing. And um, that, that so managing transition, first of all, is the leader, the pastor or the Sunday school director or whoever saying, OK, if we start this new group, this is a great thing for this group to franchise. I love that term um, to franchise and start another group over here. What is going to be what's what is this group going to lose? Yeah. And how do I begin to address that from the very beginning? How do I, because yeah. if I don't understand that and I don't think about that and I think it's not relevant, oh boy, it's relevant. Yeah. And yeah, uh, so that is. transition is preparing. And a lot of that preparation, Ken, you know this and PJ, you do as well. A lot of that preparation is in the pulpit or it's from the, the leadership of the pastor yeah. casting vision, it's language, it's culture, but yep. also it's conversations, it's personal discipleship. I go back, most of the problems that I see that happen along these lines is we're, and I I mentioned it a minute ago, we're thinking so much about program. This is a class. This is, this is our Sunday school program. This is what we've got to do. It's, it's not programs, it's people. And so when I begin to think of it from the standpoint, this is people, I've got to lead people. And in leading people, that's, I can't just make a decision. I have to get up close. I've got to get in people's lives. I got to know what are they losing? What are they afraid of and how in these personal discipling moments and how in these personal conversations am I helping prepare the way and build the ground? It takes time. Um, and so uh, it's effort, you know, and it's a lot easier to say, you know, put it in the bulletin. Hey, we're, we're multiplying. We're starting a new class. But, um, you know, you, you better hold on to your head because it's about to get taken off. Yeah. You know, no, I, I agree. And uh, and you're right. It, uh, it requires uh, some leadership and some uh, affirmation from the senior pastor that mm-hmm. this is something important. If it's important to the pastor, it typically becomes important to the church. Something that we need to uh, talk about, I think, with our group leaders fairly often that, you know, part of our, our, our job as group leaders is to prepare an apprentice and to uh, either let them take over our group. We'll go start another one or they go launch out and start their own, but that needs to be built into the DNA of groups. And I, I remember, you know, inheriting entire Sunday school classes, you know, when I would go and become the new staff guy and nobody had ever told them that that was an expectation of group leadership. And so when I said, Hey, let's start some new groups. They're like, huh? Right. No, no, I think we'll take a pass on that one, you know? And so, um, when I started enlisting group leaders after that, I realized that was part of the problem. I would enlist a group leader. And one of the expectations was 
you will help us move your group to start a new one in time. And I never said in you know 12 months or I just yeah. said, we want to be working that direction. Some groups can do it pretty quick and others, it takes a little bit longer. And, you know, unfortunately some groups never get there, but I think to have that built in to where you can always come back in the conversation, you know, with a group leader and say, now, remember when you signed up three years ago, we talked about starting new groups and where are we on that uh, yeah. spectrum today? You know, uh, so I think that's important. Yeah. Part of managing that transition is do we set them up to succeed? Mm-hmm. So uh, sometimes we have a grid of what your small group can exist in. And so whether that be a Sunday morning worship uh, kind of discipleship strategy or a home group strategy or, you know, life group strategy, missional community, like whatever you want to call it. So we tell them, hey, go start something. And they look at the transition and go, but how? And so when you mm-hmm. go back, you're like, oh, that's right. Because if I look at your entire week, I'm asking you to be involved for six hours right now. And there's yeah. not an hour to do it. And you're, you're volunteering over here. You're doing this. So we actually have like a volunteer pipeline challenge. And we figure that out in the transition. So we just get yeah. up and say, hey, let's start new, new units. Let's start new groups. And uh, we don't think about why they're not starting new groups to begin with. Um, and and I, I equate it to this. When you want to raise a million dollars for your church, you're going to go to the most affected people first and have dinner with them. Like any good financial plan normally starts with go with the inner core and then you're going to go out and then you're going to go out and then you're going to say it. Mm -hmm. When it comes to discipleship, we're so um, um, annoyed to slow down, to go fast Mm -hmm. that, that we Mm -hmm. won't stop to go do that same exact process. So we get up, we preach a sermon, we, we, we say, here's the curriculum start next week when really we should have been doing three months of on-ramp conversation yes. so that when we do launch, it's not a surprise to anybody in the room and we're really behind it. So I know uh, pastors that are listening, um, it is hard to be disciplined in this, but sometimes our advice, you know, Ray and I, when we're in the field is maybe this is a six months from now thing. Like we try to slow guys down a little right. bit so that they yes, yeah. get to know the relationship. Cause that's where the, if, if you start too soon, the trans, the transition, your specific question on transition, that's when you know, you've, you've done something mm-hmm. out of order. Because it shows up in that moment. Yeah, that's great. Great insight. Well, uh, before we uh, hear from our sponsor of this episode, one final question in this segment, and that is, you know, if a group or if a group leader happens to dig in their heels and they just won't get on board, you know, with that goal of starting the new group, um, what are your options as a pastor or maybe the lay Sunday school leader? Uh, you're the Sunday school director in the church, uh, or somebody who else is, you know, whoever's designated to be over the group ministry of the church. Uh, what are the options when you have that group, you know, that just says, we're just not going to do that, you know, move on talk to somebody else. Uh, can you guys think through, just give us a couple of options there, uh, that, uh, that could be, you know, effective and, uh, won't blow the church up. <laughs> Well, that's a hard parameter, isn't it? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Who wants to jump on this one? Yeah, um, yeah. Well, I guess uh, as the uh, Enneagram one black and white uh, kind of guy, I've had to learn um, that if they dig their heels in, I probably shouldn't dig in harder and I should probably realize why they're digging in. Mm-hmm. So yeah. when they're digging in their heels, I think I wish I would have told 15 years ago, PJ, why are they doing that? Rather than I will dig in harder. <laughs> yes, so yeah. I don't think the way forward is to 
to think that we have any authority over them in that capacity, but we do have incredible influence in the, in the yeah. roles that God's placed us in. So mm-hmm. um, sometimes you uh, use Mac Lake's principles and you say, we would need to, I really want you to volunteer in this capacity. And sometimes mm-hmm. we give them a new opportunity and they never yeah. thought of and they're excited about. And maybe they're a leader of leaders or maybe they're a leader over there. You find another place for them to still exercise God's calling on their life. But clearly yeah. it's not that role. Yeah. Good. Ray, anything yeah, uh, and, run uh, through your mind? Th- this is such a big such a big issue because I see this a lot. And, and every church is going to have that one class or two classes. And usually it, it may be a, a very good teacher, a very good uh, expositor of the scripture. Maybe they've got great relationships and, and they're, I mean, they're rolling, they're not really multiplying and, and, but they're going to fight you. Um, if you try to divide that class and I've seen guys that have gone in and just said, you know, I'm going to do it. I'm going to dig my heels in and, uh, this is what we need to do and we're going to do it. And I would just say simply this, uh, and I've heard this, y'all have all heard this before. Um, you, in this situation, and I'll just tell you from 32 years of experience, you got to plow around the stumps. Um, there you, you try go. to blow yeah. that one up. And, um, but I'm telling you, it's not worth it. Um, you know, I, I, and, and what the other thing I've seen Ken is, and, and I know, and I'm just talking about me, this is gosh, man, I made a lot of mistakes on this over the years, but a lot of times we're like, okay, I, I'm, I'm not going to deal with them, but I'm going to be, I'm going to be bitter and they're going to mm, see my yeah. animosity and I'm going to make them yeah. feel bad. You know, yeah. I, I learned later in life, man, just celebrate where they are. Let them focus on where they are at the time and work around them. Begin to look yep. for other leaders. You can always, you may not have a teacher that's ready to start a new class, but you know what? There may be two or three people that you can begin to invest in and you can yeah, begin to disciple great. them and pour into them. And and you're laying that groundwork and you're setting that culture. Again, as PJ said, this is taking time. It's not happening over a week. Right. But um, I would just tell guys out there now and those that are listening, man, you can, you can fight that battle all you want. But there are some good things going on there. And that's the reason a lot of people are there, right? That's right. And so I heard an African-American preacher one time say this, and I've used it many times, you know, go with the going crowd. There you you go. If they're not going, um, they're not ready. Was it Phyllis Brooks that said leadership is leading people to where they need to be, but having them enjoy the trip. Mm, That's a great question. If these people aren't going to enjoy the trip, you know, don't fight it, move around that, help them continue to work with them and love them and appreciate them, but find that other group, find those other people and begin to invest there. Yeah. I love it. I heard John Maxwell say at a conference, this is many moons ago now, probably 20 years ago. He said, go with those who will go with you. And that's just exactly what you're talking about there, Ray. Well, let me uh, just take a a quick moment uh, to let you know that this episode of the Disciple Making in Community podcast is being brought to you this time by the Sunday School Essentials Conference that Lifeway puts on. This event is a free event to pastors and others who are in charge of their group ministry at the church. Uh, This event gives participants 10 hours of training and things like how to enlist workers, 
how to develop a training plan for the church, how to identify the eight signposts of discipleship in your people, the lives of those group members. We talk about a biblical basis for Bible study groups and much, much more. And you guys hosted this for us uh, last year, uh, just north of uh, Atlanta. And uh, at this conference, every participant, they receive a brand new CSB pastor's Bible. Uh, You get a leather conference branded pad folio, several books on discipleship and, uh, and other things. Plus we, we pay for the meals, the snacks, the drinks, uh, and there's really no cost to the participants other than just drive to the event. And so some folks that live regionally can come in, uh, participate, drive home, spend the night. And literally it's a zero cost other than maybe the gas and time. Mm-hmm. And so if you would like to know more about these conferences, we've got more this year. Uh, we'll be in Colorado uh, in September uh, and then in Virginia in October. And then beyond that, uh, we start our new fiscal year with a new round of these Sunday School Essentials conferences. So here's where you can go to sign up or find out some more about these. It's lifeway.com forward slash SS Essentials. That stands for Sunday School Essentials. So no matter what you call your group ministry, you're going to fit in this group. So life groups, connect groups, you know, adult Bible fellowships, we're sticking with the word Sunday school. Cause that's, you know, seems to be pretty broad in general and people understand what that is, mm-hmm. but lifeway.com forward slash SS essentials. I'd love to see you at one of those in person and have a chance to meet you and spend a couple of days with you. Well, guys, as we wrap up one final question, if groups refuse to start those new groups, uh, or if the church staff just knows that's going to be an uphill battle and they just choose to not start those new groups, let's just keep sending folks to the existing groups. Can you think of some of the outcomes that are pretty apt to happen if a church is not starting those new groups? Gosh, um, it's kind of how long those things take to show up, right, Ray? So um, you, you may not notice it in the fall if you ignore it. And you may not notice it in the spring, but you're going to find yourself a year or two down the road going, yeah. why are people slipping through the cracks? And you're going to sit in a meeting and and you're going to go, um, well, I, I guess we need better marketing. Maybe we need a better welcome desk. Maybe we need a new bulletin. Maybe we need a, and you start going through this list. And I guess, can you ultimately forget um, that if you're not starting those new groups, that's really what your retention engine is for the, the church. And so yeah. oftentimes we talk about uh, getting people in the front door and leading them to Jesus. And that's great. Um, but um Gosh, Ray knows one of my other favorite quotes, and it's just where the Lord has me, but the Billy Graham quote, quote, right? So salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you everything. And Mm. so this is hard, and it does cost more. And and, uh, so you may not feel it on the front side, but you'll definitely see it on another metric. Yeah, that's good. Ray, any parting thoughts on this one? Yeah, I would I would take it more to the personal side. Uh, I think PJ is exactly right. You know what we'd see in the life of the church, but but I would go back and almost go to the basis of I think people will lose the joy of their salvation. Mm. You know, mm. part of what we do is helping people to see what it means to be a follower of Christ, and and part of that is to see multiplication and seeing people come to faith and seeing people grow in their faith and seeing these relationships. And so, if somebody's sitting in a Sunday school class, you know, week after week and hearing good teaching and they can tell you the, um, you know the. Uh, uh, they can tell you all of the spe- the specs of the uh, Noah's Ark and and all of that, but they haven't seen life change in people, and they haven't seen a group grow, and they haven't seen young people come yeah. to faith. You know they're losing the joy, 
And uh, so I think just on a micro level, um, it's worth it for a pastor, you know, to begin this process so that people can really experience what Jesus launched us to do. And that is to do life with people, build relationships and see the kingdom multiply. Um, and I, I think it. it happens through Sunday school and it, and it happens through groups and um, it won't happen if we don't multiply. It will not. And uh, we said this on a previous episode of this season's uh, podcast, but it is, I think, a truism uh, that programs don't connect people. Mm. People connect people. And that's why it's so important to have these new groups. That's where a lot of our newest members are going to find those those forever friends and stick you know, with our churches for the long haul. Well, guys, I want to thank you, uh, both PJ uh, Dunn and Ray Sullivan, uh, for being with us on the podcast today. Guys, I really do appreciate your ministries and uh, look forward to we're going to be together next week at a conference. Yeah. So I get, I get some PJ and Ray time <laughs> next week. And I uh, really appreciate you guys carving out the time today to uh, come and record and have your voices magnified and multiplied. And so I know that there are people listening to the podcast today that heard some things that you said uh, that are going to really take those things to heart and uh, could change a ministry forever. In our next episode, we will continue this season two theme of starting new groups by talking about the one person that you have to have if you're going to start those new groups. So that's my teaser. It's not the pastor. And it's not a discipleship pastor, nor is it a lay Sunday school director. It's not those people. And so if you'll tune in next time, uh, we'll have some new guests on that are going to talk to us about that one person you got to have if you're going to start those new groups. And we'll tell you more about that uh, next Brady. time. Oh, I, I was going to go with Jesus, but okay. Yes, no, it is not me. So I hope you'll come back for our, our next in. episode. Do what now? We better tune in then. Yes, you better. Well, for everybody out there in the audience, guys, gals, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcast, and uh, be sure to drop by that Sunday School Essentials page at lifeway.com forward slash SS Essentials. I would love to see you at a future uh, two-day conference that we would come and just bless your socks off and talk about group ministry for a couple of days. And that could be life-changing and life-giving to your church as you come and hang out with us. And we've even got a Sunday School Essentials Part 2 that we're going to launch in late uh, 2024. So uh, you'll see that listed there. When you come, uh, we may not have 2024's uh, sites all built out. We know where we're going, but uh, just come back, bookmark that and come back and check it regularly. And you'll see us adding sites uh, all the way through, uh, I'm going to say September this year. And then we'll have all of next year's fully loaded. Uh, we take about 35, 36 people at each of these events and uh, pretty much pay for everything. So again, love to have you at one of those. Thanks for being a part of this episode of the Disciple Making in Community podcast. I'm your host, Ken Braddy. And remember, a church without discipleship is just a gathering. 